The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazrowski outside. Cloudy skies. We've got 67 degrees in Buffalo. The latest now on murder suspect Michael Burham still on the loose. The search now in its sixth day after his escape from a jail in Warren County, Pennsylvania, using tied together bed sheets. Alex Prechet is in Pennsylvania with the latest. The Warren police chief tells me that there is evidence of an extensive amount of preparation by Burham before this breakout. And authorities now believe that it's possible that he could still be receiving help even now. The search for Burham being aided by technology that didn't exist during other high-profile manhunts. WBEN's Tom Puckett explains. During Tuesday's news conference, Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Biven says they're using high-tech ways to track down Michael Burham. We continue to use technology, and that includes DNA for comparisons to either include or exclude Burham from those sites. Jeff Ronaldo of Vista Security says drones are especially effective in such manhunts. It allows for an operator to cover a vast amount of area relatively quickly, and the technology for the drones and the type of cameras and thermal imaging that can be carried are really effective when you're searching remote areas where you do not expect to see uh, densely populated sections of uh, woodland. Ronaldo says other technology could also help police find Burham. Some of the advances with the thermal imaging, uh, the canopy provided by the trees can be penetrated depending on the type of cameras being used. Uh, Same thing with uh, some of the thermal imaging and FLIR cameras that are on helicopters. But again, it still comes down to a lot of manpower being utilized to physically search those areas. Hear more from Ronaldo online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Buffalo police are investigating a Tuesday afternoon shooting that left a man injured. Around 2.30, police say a man was struck by gunfire in the first block of Upper East Lane. The 39-year-old male victim transported to ECMC. He is listed in stable condition. Anyone with information is asked to call Buffalo police. Downtown, the NFTA announcing it will begin construction on Main Street, replacing the rail, track bed, and more between Church and Mohawk Streets tomorrow. Part of a two-phase process to return vehicle traffic to that portion of Main Street, uh, Main Street going another block uh, with cars on Main Street. The city of Buffalo reconsidering awarding the downtown Bray Miller Market a large forgivable loan after a push by the mayor. WBEN's Brayton Wilson is here with the latest. The Buffalo Common Council adopted a resolution during Tuesday's meeting at City Hall emphasizing the need to allocate American Rescue Plan and COVID relief funds in a manner that supports the recovery and growth of small businesses across the city of Buffalo. We really wanted to get it to small businesses because they have been hurting. Their businesses closing as we speak that were affected by the pandemic. Where's our sense of urgency for them? We have this urgency for Bray Miller, but not the sense of urgency for these other businesses. So we want to put a face on that. That's council Councilman Rashid Wyatt, who presented the resolution to the chamber floor on Tuesday. The resolution that will be discussed during next week's finance committee meeting requests a number of actions, including Mayor Brown and the Office of Strategic Planning to reconsider any future plans to allocate funds for the Bray Miller market and instead allocate more than $62,000 for businesses in each council district, totaling more than $562,000 in funds for COVID relief. Also further urging Mayor Brown and the Office of Strategic Planning to collaborate with each council member to identify small businesses in their respective districts that were significantly impacted by the COVID pandemic. When it comes to the resolution,
resolution put forth to help the Braymiller market, neither Wyatt nor Council President Darius Pridgen says there's any one thing in particular that could be changed that would help swing the vote of any of the nine members of the Common Council. I think there has been a lot of questions. For instance, where the other businesses that they only have to be in business for two years before they would be given a loan. I want to make sure, again, equity. How did Bray Miller get to the front of the line? Equity. Those are questions we're going to have to hash out in the finance meeting and in offices to figure it out and to know that when we make this vote that it benefits especially the poor and the struggling folks of this city. More from Tuesday's Common Council meeting is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. You can uh, read more over at WBEN.com. Not just the story posted today, but going back, uh, kind of the saga that this uh, Bray Miller market has been through over the past couple of months, applying for this half million dollars, over half a million dollars in a forgivable loan. Well, Bank of America told to pay back $100 million to their duped customers for a slew of deceptive tactics like double-charging accounts with insufficient funds, denying reward payments to credit card holders, and using personal data to open up accounts without a client's knowledge. Alexis Christophorus, though, tells us this order from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau may equate to a slap on the wrist for the second largest bank in the U.S. What happens here is, yes, okay, fine, you're fined this amount of money, and maybe you give the customer back uh, some money in the end. But when a bank does this to you, if they open up a credit card uh, in your name and you're unaware of it, well, that could ding your credit report. If you have too many cards opened up in your name, um, that could actually hurt your credit score. So there are longer-lasting implications for the customer, the unwitting customer. Um, you know, and I don't know how much, uh, you know, a check for 50 bucks or $100 from the bank saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that really does for the customer in the end. Alexis Christopher is there talking about Bank of America, well, maybe not feeling the pain from this latest penalty. An important read on inflation is coming out later this morning. The Consumer Price Index, or CPI, measures how much more or less we're paying for goods and services month to month and year over year. It's an important tool for the Federal Reserve as it tries to bring inflation to the 2% target rate. Recent CPIs have shown that while inflation is cooling off, it isn't happening as quickly as the Fed would like. That's Daria Albinger reporting. 508 now on WBEN. A convicted Manson murderer has been released from prison after spending more than five decades behind bars. Andrea Fujii with the story. Leslie Van Houten, now 73, has been granted parole. A Charles Manson follower responsible for one of his cult's brutal killings in the late 1960s came a day after other Manson followers killed actress Sharon Tate and four others. She spoke to ABC's Diane Sawyer in 1994 about how she attacked Rosemary LaBianca. What kind of punishment do you deserve? What is enough? I don't know when enough punishment will be enough for me. She long insisted she was brainwashed by Charles Manson and says she's now a changed woman. Very interesting. Van Houten now in a transitional living facility. Charles Manson, who didn't commit the killings himself, incarcerated for ordering his followers to carry out the crimes. He died in prison back in 2017. Emmy nominations are due out this morning with an announcement coming around 1130. Jason Nathanson has more on which shows are likely to get a lot of love. If we're good. 
We're good. And Succession will probably be good for a lot of Emmy nominations. The HBO show a lock for getting a Best Drama nod for its last season. Probably a bunch of acting, writing, and directing nominations as well. Barry's final season will also likely be celebrated. Same for Better Call Saul. And several first seasons will likely get nominations, including the comedy The Bear and the drama The Last of Us. And Harrison Ford has never had an Emmy nomination. This year he could get two for the drama 1923 and the comedy Shrinking. Get out of here. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Hollywood. You know Harrison Ford was on TV? Yeah. Um, but apparently he's going to be up for an Emmy nomination. I just... There's so many shows. It's, it's the thing with award shows, though, when you listen to that, like, oh, getting a lot of love because it's their last season. You know, they, they win the award. They win the award. You know, okay. Like, I see how it goes. Just a show that people watch. I Instead of watching two, three more hours of an award show... You just watch the actual shows. Yeah. And there's no way you've seen them all. Like, uh, you know, tell me what one's probably going to win. And uh, maybe we'll give it a try. But that's uh, coming up. Emmy's nominations later yeah. on this morning. Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it's just a turnoff because there's so much out there. And there's so much that you like personally. And then you watch one of those shows and it's like, wow. Especially with TV. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, the Oscars are one thing, but especially right, right. with TV, there's just so much. It's like, saturation. how could you ever yeah. even, you know, choose what's the best? You couldn't. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny skies today with some scattered showers and thunder showers over the southern tier. Highs today near 80. Showers and storms likely across the entire area tonight with overnight lows in the mid-60s. On Thursday, partly sunny, warm, and humid with some afternoon showers and storms. Highs in the low 80s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Mankowski. Jill Jedlicka is joining us this morning with Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper. A big step toward restoring Skajakwita Creek, and not necessarily the part of the creek around the History Museum in Delaware Park in Buffalo, but the upper creek in Cheektowaga where it starts. Uh, Jill, what is the condition of that part of the creek? Well, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. And yes, the, the creek in the upper reaches in the Lancaster, Depew, Tiktawaga area um, is really where the, the creek itself begins. It's the headwaters area. Um, it's not as polluted or impaired as the lower sections that I think many people are familiar with. Um, but we have done a lot of um, augmentation to that system for generations, and there is still a lot of impairments. Um, that happen in particular due to the um, construction of the Walden Gallery Mall and, and the rerouting of the creek in certain areas. Um, so the, the entire 13-mile creek system certainly needs our attention and assistance, and, and hopefully this project is really going to um, accelerate that momentum. So when we talk about uh, needing attention, uh, maybe it's obvious to people who live right by it, and that's a, a lot of people, but for everybody else in western New York, what is the state of the creek now? What does it look like now? And at the end of this process and, you know, $10 million, what are you hoping uh, mm-hmm. becomes of the Skajakwita Creek? Well, the first part of the process is actually some of the engineering studies and assessment um, to kind of fill in the, the data gaps of what we already know about this creek system. And what we know is that um, in particular, in the upper reaches, um, many sections of the creek have been um, channelized. So creeks naturally want to um, waver back and forth. They want to move around. They want to snake. Um, a lot of times we've taken these these creeks and we've kind of transformed them almost into drainage ditches. And there's sections of the creek that are actually buried underground and they pop back up. 
And all that um, really starts to impair water quality and clarity um, and the health of the, the creatures that live within that water and then um, potential harmful algal blooms and other things that are nuisance to humans who want to enjoy the creek as well. Um, so these studies are going to kind of really identify what are our best bet opportunities for restoring the ecosystem health, both here in the upper reaches, um, as well as looking at the entire Skajakwata Creek watershed for potential for improvements. Um, the study is going to last about two years, um, and once that is done, it literally will unlock almost $10 million or up to $10 million of federal funding for implementation. Is the hope that one day this creek could be fishable and swimmable? Those are definitely the, the, the goals. Um, you know, a lot of the, the basis of the Clean Water Act and the work that we do is to make all of our waterways fishable, drinkable, and swimmable. Um, whether or not that happens um, sometimes takes literally decades because of, of impairments and contaminants that are in a system. It takes a while for it to work its way out. Um, but there's different stream classifications and there's different targets that we like to restore waterways to um, in terms of water quality numbers and, and um, fish and wildlife that exists there. Um, so that is the ultimate goal for, for all of our waterways that feed into our Great Lakes. Uh, yesterday it was said that the study would take about two years to complete. Uh, why does something like that take uh, two years to get yeah. through? <laughs> It does. Two years seems like a long time, but when you put it in the framework of it took us 100 years to actually impair this system, um, we've learned this lesson through our decades of work on the Buffalo River. Nothing is simple and nothing is easy when it comes to restoring a natural system. So it's it's the data collection, it's the quality assurance, it's the, um, you know, and analyzing the, the data that you get back. It's the engineering drawings and, and uh, modeling and all of that. And it just, unfortunately, it just it takes time. Um, we'd like to do it quicker, but we're going as fast as we can. You know, Jill, it's mid-July, summer's peak. When it comes to local waterways in western New York, would you recommend swimming in any of our creeks or rivers or lakes? It's really a mixed bag. Um, it depends on which location you're talking about on what day. Um, and unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. So we have designated swimming beaches along the lakes that are monitored um, to some extent from by the health department. So um, they'll, they'll monitor for E. coli. And, and in particular, if it's been a dry period of a couple of days, um, you're, you're less likely to be exposed to anything. So our waters are, are, are pretty good to be able to recreate in. You really want to avoid primary contact with many of our urban waters um, within 24 to 40 hours after a rainstorm or after any kind of precipitation because we know that the sewers will overflow. Um, and then in the upper watersheds and some of our smaller creeks and streams in the headwaters area, um, I mean, I to this day, we still go out and fish those streams. And, and my kids, when they were little, used to swim in those creeks. Um, so you just have to be a little bit aware of, of the environment around you. When we hear about, um, you know, up in Olcott, uh, another, uh, it's been going on for, uh, I believe, weeks now, where there's advisories to not swim. Um, mm -hmm. what, what should we really take from that? Because I think a lot of people hear that once and uh, you know they're not taking the chance ever again you know once is enough right. for me right and a lot of it has to do with our region's aging infrastructure and also the design of our infrastructure and we see this through many cities in the great lakes that um, unfortunately our waterways are actually tied into our stormwater and sewer management systems this is how they were built 100 and 150 years ago so it takes many years and many billions, if not trillions of dollars to undo um, all of that. So the, the best bet is that 
whenever you hear these warnings or you see this data, understand that that's a snapshot in time. That is what's happening on happening in the moment. Um, and that what's happening this week may not necessarily be the same for the following week. So as much as you can keep yourself informed, um, that is the best way to still be able to enjoy our waterways, but also keep you and your family safe. Do you know what it is about Alcott Beach on Lake Ontario, this big, large, deep lake that right. always has this problem? I'm not familiar with the engineering issues um, up at that location, but I can um, guess that it depends on the hydrology that's happening in that area. It, even if it's a, a large open lake, um, depending how water flows and depending if there's any kind of inlets um, where um, water, water can become stagnant or where the inputs are coming in, um, it's really the hydrodynamics oftentimes that, that really impact whether or not you have warnings or increases in E. coli or a harmful algal bloom, whatever the impairment. Um, it, it's really up to the, each system is very unique. Well, Jill, thanks so much for the time this morning, and uh, we can't wait to see what's next with uh, this project and more. Jill Jedlicka with the the Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper talking about the Skajakwita Creek and $10 million now between uh, Waterkeeper and the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.